Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. When the rascals join the ranks of other divisive and emotionally charged political systems which are dealing with controversial issues. A recent bill in the Nebraska legislature, LB 574, which passed May 19th, restricts abortion access after 12 weeks and bans gender-affirming care for trans youth. In the process of discussing LB 574, Nebraska State Senator Michaela Kavanaugh drew national attention for exploding in the legislative changers into rants and raves and chantings when his bill was going down to defeat. Those aren't my words. Those come from those national sources. It seems like people are turning to emotions rather than truth, science, the Bible, and even common sense to try and make their arguments. Well, abortion's been a legislative topic since 1973 when the Supreme Court upheld Roe v. Wade. Gender mutilation has only recently surfaced pretty much since the 2016 Supreme Court decision, Obergefell v. Hodges, which legalized gay marriage. While both of these are contentious issues, people have been able to work together to solve these issues or at least be civil and respectful to others when they lost their argument. Until lately. Now the verbiage has turned to emotional accusations, manipulation towards an anti-God social agenda, and divisive rhetoric demeaning their opponents. My personal state senator called the supermajority who supported the bill. It was approved 33 to 15. So the supermajority he called hyper-extremists. He's trying to paint them as fanatics. And then he said the bill isn't what the people want. But we'll share some statistics later to show that it is what the people want. The attitude of many seems to be the squeaky wheel gets the grease. We cannot allow the squeaky wheel who are making statements that aren't accurate to overshadow truth and righteousness. I'm Debbie Blank wanting to briefly discuss these two important issues with you today as well as to look at scripture to see the devastation that occurs when we allow ourselves to be manipulated into thinking and doing the wrong thing. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. At the end of each creative day, God surveyed his work and saw that it was good. But when God created mankind, male and female, he blessed them and told them to be fruitful and increase in number. And this time, when he surveyed all that he had made, it was not just good. It was very good. This is the truth from God's Word. Are we so familiar with the simplicity and clarity of it that we skim past it and don't let it sink in? Or do some people actually believe that people today know more than God does? If that's true, they may also believe that they have the right, or even the duty, to defy God. Both the abortion and transgender issues have become very emotional issues in our culture today and ultimately come down to our view of God and His Word. Well, abortion's been around a long time, so we know that it's the intentional destruction of an unborn baby. Those who support abortion claim that the baby is just a blob of tissue, so a woman has a right to make decisions for her body like she would with any other blob of tissue in her body. But science has proven 
over these last 50 years that the baby's heartbeat can be heard as early as five and a half weeks, proving that this is a living human being, not a blob of tissue. And we know from a recent poll in Nebraska at the end of 2022 that 58% of adult Nebraskans agree that a preborn baby should be protected once a heartbeat is detected. And 72% of Nebraskans oppose extreme abortion policies of allowing abortion until birth. So based on the governor's signature of this latest law, abortions are now outlawed in Nebraska, except in cases of rape, incest, or to save the life of the mother after the period of 12 weeks. That is a blessing because preborn children are children. They're made in the image of God. According to Genesis 9, 6, and 7, we're told whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. As for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly, and don't multiply in it. Now God doesn't say populate the earth abundantly until I think there's too many people on the earth, and then you can go ahead and kill them. He doesn't say that. God's not concerned that we're going to become overpopulated. We still have multiple billions and billions of acres in this world that are undeveloped or not being utilized. There's plenty of room for more people, though it is. But the fact is that when we kill our unborn children, we are destroying our future. We don't know what Einsteins that we are killing or what brilliant politicians or judges or godly people that we're destroying in the process. I volunteered for the pro-life movement in Nebraska for about 20 years. And during that time, not once did I see any violence against Planned Parenthood or any pro-choice person or group in Nebraska because pro-lifers support life and tend to support the right way to handle their views. On the other hand, our personal business was graffitied with ugly pro-abortion rhetoric, and other pro-lifers have experienced similar acts of hatred against themselves and their businesses or homes. Why is that? Because people are very passionate about the issue, but people also take matters into their own hands rather than handling it with honor and integrity. I had many friends who were on the Planned Parenthood board many years ago, and we totally disagreed, but we were able to do it in honor. I still respected the people, and they respected me. We just disagreed over the issue. That's the way life should be. But to rant and rave because you don't get your own way in the legislature, that's inappropriate actions. I had heard there was another senator on the floor of the unicameral who had made statements there and then in interviews afterward using a lot of foul language because people disagreed with her on the transgender issue. I read the article and it was just shocking. It was stunning. You would expect some kind of protocol, some kind of uh, decorum from someone who was an elected official. Yes, you would. And that's what God would have us do. If we disagree with laws that are passed or with people in what they believe, there's a proper way to handle it, not an improper way. And we do agree that this law that was passed is a proper law, both to stop abortions as well as not allowing gender mutilation of our children. But for those people who don't agree with that, that is their opinion. We need to do what we need to do in the right way. 
God has made each one of us, every one of us, with the exact DNA, the chromosomes, the looks that we have, the personality, and the sex that he deemed appropriate. After all, he tells us in Psalm 139, 13 and 14, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. To feel like we are different sex than what God has made us is to call God a liar, to say that he didn't make us properly, that he made a mistake, and that his works aren't wonderful. Well, God doesn't make mistakes. The idea of changing genders is something new. It first happened in the United States in 1952 when Christine Jorgensen actually had transition surgery overseas but subsequently it was introduced through an article about her in the New York Daily News. However, it was never accepted as a practice here in the United States until just recently, within the last couple of years. What has changed? Why has this happened? This is an agenda item by Planned Parenthood, by the LGBTQ community, by the progressives, to promote this kind of lifestyle among our children. We shouldn't be surprised because we're getting a lot of promotion and manipulation in the culture today, trying to turn us towards views that are anti-Bible, that go against what God's Word says. Now, if they want to promote those agendas to 26-year-olds like Christine Jorgensen was, that's not something I support, but we certainly can't stop it. But when they're promoting it to our children, starting in kindergarten, They're given transgender books, and they have story time readings by transgenders. And they're learning all kinds of sexual activities, including this, all the way up through high school in their sex education programs. That's not appropriate. What's even less appropriate, when parents are oftentimes unaware of the teachings and the discussions with their children regarding sex. Consider a mother in Colorado who's suing Wellington Middle School in Port Collins after she discovered that her daughter's after-school, quote, art club, end quote, was actually a gender and sexuality awareness club aimed at sexualizing the children in that club. Art had almost nothing to do with the club. So they were hiding their true agenda from the kids, but also from the parents. When you know that they are deceiving, doing something like that is totally deceptive. There's no way around it. They're trying to do something without the parents knowing it. They're even deceiving the children if the children initially thought they were going to be an art club. So they're being um, recruited by these people who are activists. They're not necessarily teachers at all, but they certainly are activists with that agenda that you talked about. From little on, we've talked about drag queen story time. What's interesting about that is they target preschoolers and young elementary to do that and to attract them into something that they can't quite understand yet so that they can bring up these topics that they carry on throughout elementary school and, as you said, where the children are protected from their parents knowing about what's going on. Mm. That's in the law in some states. It's in the law in California. A March investigation from Parents Defending Education reported that almost 9,000 schools across all 50 states have policies in which parents are kept in the dark if their child is struggling with transgender-related mental health issues. Now, did you catch that? Because they're now saying that these transgender 
people have mental health issues. Well, that's a different ballgame than sexual identity. Anyway, California, as you mentioned, has enshrined the right of a 12-year-old to withhold gender identity information from parents. And 12-year-olds and older can come to California and get gender-mutilating surgeries without their parents' consent. That is an anathema. First of all, it goes so much against parental involvement in their kid's life and parental responsibility. Who's paying for all of this? How can a parent pay for something that they don't even know about? Fortunately, 13 states, including Nebraska now, have passed laws or policies that restrict gender-affirming care for people under the age of legal majority. And by the way, the people who support this gender mutilation call it gender-affirming care because they've found out that that's a very positive statement that affects people's emotions and will turn people towards their agenda. But what it really is, and which is why I call it this way, is it's gender mutilation. Because gender-affirming care means taking off males' sexual parts and taking off women's breasts and doing things that mutilate these children's bodies. Fortunately, not only those 13 states, but 18 other states and local legislatures are considering or have already introduced bills to similarly restrict this kind of medical care for trans youth. Now, if a child turns 19 years of age, they're of legal age in their state, they have the right to do whatever they want to do at that point in life, whether we agree with it or not. And those kinds of surgeries are available. But what child under 18 understands who they are and what their life is and what their body is and what they want to be when they grow older I mean, we change our minds all the time as adults, let alone as children. If you're influenced by a teacher or someone in your community or a friend to consider or question your sexuality, you'll start doing it. And what I've found and the people that I know that are switching to transgenderism, it's the influence of their peers who are saying, well, because you're a shy male, because you're afraid of this and you don't want to go into the military and because you're tenderhearted, you're probably really a woman. So it's their friends who are encouraging this kind of an attitude in them that causes them to then question who they are. That would never happen if we understood the biblical identity of male and female and how God created us. And ultimately, that we find our identity in Jesus Christ. When you become a Christian, your identity is in Him. And you do realize how you've been created. That DNA that you mentioned, that doesn't change. So you can chop off body parts. You can give medications that are serious, lifelong suppressants to somebody's true sexual identity that's trying to come through in the body. You can try to do all of those things, but it doesn't really change anything. That DNA is always the same, and you're always going to be fighting that. That's right. That's why a recent poll of 1,200 voters in April and May of this year, conducted by the San Francisco-based Change Research, which is a very liberal organization, by the way, shows that even with the public promotion of transgenderism, the public doesn't approve of it. 60% of Americans believe sex is assigned at birth and cannot be changed for much of the same reasons that we've just talked about. 56% oppose prescribing puberty blockers to children. That's just puberty blockers. That's not mutilation yet. And then 60% oppose sex-altering surgeries, such as breast removal, any kind of permanent 
physical condition that will change a person's body. Only 30% support procedures on children. Now, I read that and thought, good. I'm so glad that the majority of the country sees how devastating this is on our children. But then I thought, it's only 60%. I think 10 years ago, that probably would have been 90 to 95%. What we see is the more that the progressive left pushes their agenda on our culture in all the areas of government, schools, media, Hollywood, the more they do that, the more it changes people's minds. And I'm so grateful to the 33 senators in Nebraska who had the heart to protect our children under 19 from this sexual mutilation. We're also told in this bill that the state's chief medical officer has a responsibility for establishing limitations on hormone therapy and puberty blockers for this same age range. So there's some other responsibilities in this law, but the fact is, People cannot promote or teach these children about sexual manipulation. So we have to ask ourselves, why is all this happening? Why has this become so popular? Well, it's strictly an organized agenda. Those who are promoting this sexual agenda for decades, it's working. It's called manipulation. It's nothing new. It's been going on for centuries. Manipulation is simply creating an image or an argument that phrases the scenario they want to present with the outcome that supports their agenda. I think the reason it's happening is actually grounded in disrespect for God, disrespect for his commands, as we said at the beginning of the show. Why would somebody have an agenda that's anti-human, which is what it seems like. It's an anti-human being, anti the way God created us. And it's just something where people disrespect the Bible and want to go against it. Introducing our children to sexualization early, it's pretty much like the abortion issue where we're sterilizing children for the future. Our culture can't even replace itself right now if it continues this way. There's no population bomb like we used to hear about in the 70s. It's actually the opposite where cultures are being threatened to not be able to continue because the birth rate is so low. Therein lies the problem. This is all about birth control. This is all about limiting the number of people on our planet because of climate change. The more people they say, we're destroying the planet. Well, wait a minute, God created the planet. He's the one who keeps Earth on its axis, who gives us the environment. He's the one that will eventually destroy the heavens and the Earth to build a new heaven and Earth. He's the one in control of it. We shouldn't be making decisions on human beings who are made in the image of God that go against God's directive. But again, there's nothing new under the sun. It's all manipulation. And we can go back to Jesus at the time that he made his triumphal entry into Israel and then just five days later was killed, all because of manipulation. If we read the story in John 12, verses 12 to 19, what we'll learn is that when Jesus came in to Jerusalem on that Passover week, he came down the Mount of Olives. When he did, people cried out, multitudes cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Great multitudes who had come up to the feast And by the way, all the Jews around the world were supposed to come to the feast three times a year, to the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Booze in the fall. So there were people from all over the world, and it says here, great multitudes were worshiping Jesus as the Messiah, as the King of Israel. 
Verse 16 of John 12 tells us his disciples were there. That's not just his apostles, but that means all the followers of Jesus. It says in verse 17 that multitudes who were with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb were also there. Then it were told that the multitude also went and met him because of the signs that he had performed of bringing Lazarus up from the dead. There were so many people there that the Pharisees said, you see that you're not doing any good? Look, the world has gone after him. So when Jesus came into Jerusalem, virtually everyone claimed that he was the Messiah. And yet five days later, by the manipulation of the leaders who wanted to kill Jesus, that attitude changed. Those who have money, power, and a voice have the opportunity to convince others by directing their behavior to a specific action. And that's what these Pharisees and these religious leaders did. We're told in Matthew 26:57 that Caiaphas, who was the high priest, and the scribes and the elders, so the major religious leaders. And then in Matthew 27, 1, we're told the chief priests, these are people who all had the power and the voice to come against Jesus. And then finally, they went to Pilate. And when Pilate wanted to release Jesus because he knew that he was being manipulated into death because of their envy, all the religious leaders and the elders persuaded the multitudes to ask for Barabbas to be released at that holiday instead of Jesus. And they convinced the multitudes to ask for Jesus' death. How's that possible? It's all manipulation. It's all the guidance of one particular group who wants to sway an opinion, and they use their power to do it. So again, Pilate asked what Jesus has done, but they kept shouting all the more the people did, let him be crucified. So Pilate, as we know, finally washed his hands. He said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourself. And it says, all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and on our children. The priests and the religious leaders of that time had so much power over the people. It might be hard for us to understand today how those people could have been swayed within those five days to turn on Jesus the way they did, but their information was given to them by those people. They didn't really have a lot of independent ways of getting information. These leaders that they were used to looking up to, when they tell them what's going on and they present this trial, they riled them up so much there was just a mob mentality that was created. It all boils down to fear. These people were afraid that if they didn't follow the religious leaders, they'd be kicked out of the synagogue or they wouldn't be accepted into the Jewish community. Whatever power these leaders had, they would take the opportunities and the blessings that people had away from them, and the people knew it if they didn't follow their leaders. We're seeing the same thing in our government, that the government is taking away people's jobs. I heard of one situation where an FBI agent who had been a whistleblower was transferred to another city. So he and his family uprooted to the new city, bought a new house, came into work the first day, and was told he was fired. That kind of fear will stop people from doing what they know is right, but instead will cause them to follow their leadership, even though it's wrong. But we can't do that. Look what happened in Germany when people followed the Nazis and listened to what they said and turned against the Jews because the government said to, that said they were less than human people, 
They manipulated the people to the point that when they saw ashes in their streets all the time, they just chose to ignore it because they were being manipulated by their political leaders. You think, how can this happen at the time of Christ in five days only? But look what's happened to us in just a year or two regarding transgenderism and other issues. Right now, we're being forced into a lot of things from our government, such as the digital ID that we've talked about and digital currency, turning us away from things that we are comfortable with and we want in this country to what they want to use to manipulate our movements and our jobs, our money. We have to be careful not to allow anyone to manipulate us, but to look for truth. And it's not too late to change because we're told in Acts 26, 28, that we can turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, so that we can receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who've been sanctified by faith in Jesus Christ. We can do that, but it's up to us. We must make the decision to do what's right in the eyes and of God and his word, not to follow the directives of a government that is going against God and his word. When we follow God's word, we have the joy of knowing that we're being obedient to the creator of the universe, that we're being obedient to everything that God wants us to do, and he will take care of us. Romans 8.28 says, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So God will take care of us, maybe not in the way we want, but God will honor our obedience to him. I'd much rather obey God in my short time on earth so that I can rejoice with him in heaven, knowing that I have served him and obeyed him, rather than disobeying him for a few years of what may be worldly comforts that aren't worth it. If people can be manipulated by religious leaders in five days to go from worshiping Jesus as the Messiah to calling for his death, then anything's possible. That's what we're seeing in regards to the abortion issue, and in regards to sex education of all kinds, and transgenderism. We cannot allow our culture to manipulate us anymore. We're in a unique and crazy time. We're being manipulated to believe all kinds of nutty things like, because we're white, we're inferior. Or if we're a minority, a woman or an ethnic person or a handicapped person, we're entitled to jobs and other things, regardless of our abilities or our qualifications. Or his affects us if we're Christians. We can't take our beliefs into the workplace or into politics, even though, of course, they can take their non-Christian beliefs into those places. People are doing what seems right in their own eyes. And Proverbs fourteen twelve tells us that the end of that is death. Man has replaced righteousness and truth with selfish motivations. God warns us what's going to happen in Isaiah 5, 20 and 21. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. The passage goes on to say, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe is a warning. That means that devastation is going to come. We need to pray, Psalm 146, 8, that the Lord will open the eyes of the blind. The Lord will raise up those who are bowed down and the Lord will love righteousness. And we need to make sure that we're the ones who are following the Lord, 
to build up our country in the right way, in good, in honor, in righteousness, instead of evil that's taking us down the wrong path. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.